0: Thanks for listening to Victory's Podcast today. Connecting people to a life changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? Yes. All right, we're going to go uh, into Psalm 42, verse 1. We are in part 2 of our Prayer Rooms series. Psalm 42, verse 1 says this As the deer, pants for the streams of water so my soul pants for you my god my soul thirsts for god for the living god where can i go and meet with god and you know kind of like a simple version of the gospel message is our soul is thirsting for something amen and there are so many ways and many of us have plenty of testimonies of the wrong ways to fill our soul amen anybody been there Y'all have all been good all your life, right? Yeah. But there's nothing that satisfies our soul like our God, our creator. Amen. There's just no substitute. And, and so we thirst for God. We seek God because there, there is something about him in our lives and being the focus of our lives. There is just no substitute. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. It is our privilege and our honor To worship you. You are the king, and we glorify you. Lord, we open up our hearts. You're an amazing, eternal, majestic creator God, and you're worthy of our attention. And we say, Lord, would you speak to our souls? Would you speak into our lives? So thank you, God, that you're not the God who overwhelms us with the word, but bit by bit and and moment by moment, God, you just walk and grow and lead us. But today, Lord, we want the word that is for us today. So for every single one of us, Lord, we're, our hearts are open for the word that you have for us. Just speak to each one of us. Speak to us as a church family. We love you. I pray for the Lord, your wisdom and your empowerment, God, that what's in your heart will come through in your word. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mentioned the last couple of weeks that our focus for 2023 is prayer, that we as a congregation are all growing our prayer uh, muscles to- together. We had our week of fasting and prayer, and uh, I started a new series last week called Prayer Rooms. And the analogy, if you will, about prayer rooms is that you know each room has a distinct type of prayer right? There's the intercessory room, there's the, pra- the praise room, there's the quiet room. Last week we talked about the war room. A lot of us have kind of one or two ways that you, if you will, that we normally pray. That's kind of normal, right? We're, we're, and the analogy is that's your prayer room, like you're familiar with the intercessory room or you're familiar with the praise room. And what we're going to do through this series is we're going to explore other rooms of prayer in the Word and follow that analogy because there's more to experience of God and more prayers to add to our our tool belt, if you will, of how to pray and when to pray. And what's beautiful is when the Holy Spirit is leading you in your prayer, and you go, you know what? I'm going to go from the war room to the intercessory room, and now I'm just feeling led to go to that solitary place in that quiet room. And we are going to explore those rooms together. Last week. We talked about the war room, and uh, I said several times that um, the war room is a place of intensity, and it's a, it's a place of, of war, if you will, um, but it is not the place that you are all the time. Not every prayer is a war room prayer, right? And so not everything that is going on in your life is the devil, However, the devil don't like you, and his mission is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So we take that seriously, but we are not intimidated. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go into the intercessory room today, and the intercessory room has a similarity to the war room, and that's why I wanted to preach these back-to-back. It's because the intercessory room is a room of intensity, but it's not a room where you're fighting. That's an interesting distinction, right? There's a contending but not necessarily a fighting. You are bringing uh, needs to the Lord, but again, not every prayer are you fighting darkness. You know, the healing of a wounded heart, you could intercede and pray for that, but not always is a wounded heart due to the devil, right? We go through some stuff. And not every financial need is the devil, right? Now, We take it seriously, and we ask for discernment. We talked about that last week, which if you missed last week's message, it's on the podcast, it's on YouTube, and it's on Facebook. You can find it. If you can't find it, you just email us, and we'll send you the link so that you can get the whole series. But today, we're talking about this word intercession. Would you say the word intercession? Intercession. The Hebrew word for prayer, one of the Hebrew words for prayer in the Old Testament, is this picture of a mediator. And a mediator is someone who comes between two parties to talk about what needs to happen. When you go to the Greek word to intercede, it means to speak to someone on behalf of someone else. It means to intervene. You're getting in the middle of something, right? Some of us are very good at getting in the middle of things. You're like... I've been waiting for this all my life. <laughs> People always say I'm meddling. This is where you're allowed to meddle. Congratulations, you have found your home. Um, some kids are going, oh gosh. It's the play, intercede, is, it's when you can, you approach the Lord, if you will, you make an appeal, you petition, you you make a request through a contact with the person who can fulfill that request. So it's this idea of you are coming in the middle of a situation, and who is the audience that we are seeking in the situation? We're seeking an audience with the Lord. We're going before Him with that prayer. We see these examples of intercession throughout Scripture. One of these um, uh, examples is Jesus making intercession. In Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Did you know that Jesus is praying for you? You know those are some good prayers, right? You can say, Jesus, pray for me. It's a beautiful picture of, of Jesus making intercession. You know that prayer is good and it's on target. And, you know, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, it describes Jesus as this mediator of the new covenant. Basically, Jesus is your lawyer. Hallelujah. Right? He's a lawyer who paid the price himself. Come on now. Right? He's, when, when, the, when the time is ticking and when the, the debt is rolling, he's like, don't worry, I got that. I've already paid that debt. He comes to the father saying, listen, father, this person, Elizabeth, um, they they are part of my new covenant. I've made a contract with them. Uh, Elizabeth has put her faith in me. She's entrusted her life for me. And now I have taken Elizabeth's debt on the cross with me, her debt for her sin is paid. Her, her shame, I have removed it by what I have done on the cross. She was powerless in her sin, but I have empowered her by the Holy Spirit so that she can live a life for you. And I am the mediator standing between uh, you and her and just saying, she is one of mine, she is part of our covenant. And, and Father, she is now part of the family. He is interceding for her. And you know, that is the gospel, right? That is the the truth that when we give our allegiance to Jesus, we're saying, Jesus, I am lawyering up. I am lawyering up and you are my lawyer. You are the one who intercedes for me. I have given my allegiance in my heart. I have turned away from ruling my own life, turned away from sin and said, God, I need you. Me being in control of my own life, it is not working. And so I yield my life to you. You are lawyering up. And I want to encourage you, all of us in our lives should have that place where we have said, I give my allegiance to you, Jesus. You are my God. You are not just the King of Kings, you are my King. And I want you, your Holy Spirit, I want you in my life. And I relinquish the need to control my life because I trust you, and I trust that you have a good plan. A lot of people miss this with the gospel. We think that turning our lives over to Jesus becomes the obedience game. Follow me. We think now I just have to perform to stay in the family. It doesn't work like that. What we do is we say, I'm going to turn away from me being in control, and I want to obey you and follow you because I trust you and I trust your ways. That is very different than I'm trying to, to, I'm trying to play the game and stay good enough. It's just a subtly different way of thinking, but very radical as far as how it transforms your walk with Jesus. Because I want to follow you. And when I don't understand, I trust you because I think you're smarter than I am. I, I believe that you've been doing this God thing for a really long time. And I've only been doing life for a certain number of years. I trust you and I'm going to trust your ways. And that's when we say, God, I put my life in your hands. He is so gracious and so patient, isn't he? He will allow people to dabble, and he will allow people to be around the edges, but I want to tell you, he wants your whole heart. He wants all of you, but he wants it willingly, and he wants it because you trust him and because you love him and because you want to know him. Amen? Mm -hmm. If you've never done that, I encourage you, call out and cry out to Jesus. Ask him in your life, say, Jesus, I turn... I cannot stop sinning on my own. I can't live right on my own, but I do want to follow you. And I know what that means. It means change in my life, but you will empower me to change. Amen? Amen. If you're in that place, I just encourage you give him all. Don't give him 80. Don't give him 90. Don't give him 95. Don't give him 99. Just go all in. Take the nest plunge <laughs> into Jesus, the Jesus plunge. And if if you're in that place where you're like, I actually need to make that decision. If you're in here, I want you to come talk to me before you leave because I want to pray with you and rejoice with you. If you are online and you're like, I need to do that, um, let us know. And pray that prayer and and reach out to us. Go to the website, victorychristian.church, and click on Next Steps. And we will call you today. We will reach out to you today and rejoice with you today. Amen? Amen? In Romans 8, it talks about how the Holy Spirit helps us. To intercede. Romans 8.28 says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us with our weakness. Anybody need help with your weakness? We do not know how we ought to pray. Have you ever been there? Come on, scripture is so practical. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit, there it is, intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You, y'all, the deck is stacked. You got Jesus interceding for you. You got the Holy Spirit interceding through you. You've got, I mean, it, this is good stuff. Our, you know, the thing about intercession is there is often a passion in intercessory prayer. Sometimes it's just seriousness Sometimes you know. Sometimes you get a little, you get a little sweat on. You get a little yell on. You get a little proclaim on. I remember um, when I was in Bible college back in like ninety two. I went to these early morning prayer meetings that the church at the Bible college had. They were seven a.m., which just felt really ungodly at the time. It might have been six a.m. We went in there, and and there was all these adults, and then there was me because all I. I felt like one of the only college students in there, but I went in there and I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord and I'm praying. And one day I am praying and seeking the Lord and we're contending. And i tell you what, you get in a room with a bunch of people who love to pray and it's like, whoa, let's do this. And I'm praying and all of a sudden I start crying and I start weeping. And and honestly, I was like, I'm broken. (laughs) I kid you not, I went to my... um, my, super, my, my, what do you call it, my supervisor my, um, at the college. Um, I forget, what do you call that? Advisor. advisor. Thank you. I went to my advisor and I said, Mr. Weger, um, I need to talk to you. So I'm in prayer and, uh, and I'm praying and all of a sudden I start crying and I start weeping and I'm like, I think there's something very wrong. <laughs> and he goes, Brother Mike, we called everybody brother, like it was a monastery or something. Brother Mike, yes, brother. And he said, he said, that is intercession. I went, what? He said, you are feeling the heart of God in your own heart, in your own spirit. He says, you're not broken, that's a gift. And I went, I'm not broken? That's all I heard. Like, I can't afford a counseling. I'm in college. You know, I, I'm like, and, I re, and, and he actually helped me to articulate that what was going on was the Holy Spirit. So the next time when that happened, I was like, well, let's just go with it. And man, the prayers that came through those tears, whoa, they were Holy Spirit prayers. They were God-led and God-directed prayers. There is, a, there is a, a leading of the Holy Spirit. And what I was feeling is I was feeling his burden. I was feeling the emotion of the Lord. He was allowing me to pray that way. And, you know, one of um, the important lessons that I learned about intercession, and I need you to hear this, especially if you have the gift of intercession. And I might say this like 8,000 times, but there should be a release There should be a sense of release when you're in intercessory prayer. The burden should lift at some point, knowing that the Lord has heard and received your prayer. Now get this, some of us, we have a gift of intercession, but we didn't know we had permission to not carry the burden all the time. One of the gifts of intercession is that when you pray through the heart and the burden of the Lord, you sense this release because you sense this God's got it. Now, what will happen is later on, the burden of the Lord will come back on your life. And that is so that you can what again? Pray again so that you can intercede again. But I've seen some people with a gift of intercession that feel like they have to carry the bag. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You see, he may allow you to carry the emotion, but you ain't the Savior and neither am I. Amen? We are not built to carry that kind of thing. He is built to carry all of it. He allows us to enter into that place where we feel it and we sense it and we understand the burden. But you are allowed to pray, have a release from the burden, and keep on walking. Amen? That's the healthy way to carry it. I think, you know, when it comes to the the war room and the intercessory room, you know, sometimes there's like a pass-through with rooms? I think those two rooms are connected, like there's a pass-through. But there'll be times when you're like interceding, and then the Lord's like, All right, now I want you to take some authority over such and such and this. And you're like, Oh, hold on a moment. I'm going to slip over here into the war room. And, Devil, you got to go. The Lord said, He told me, You got to go. You don't have authority over my kids. You don't have authority in this situation. And you got to go. And you sense that release. And you're like, Okay, slipping back over here. And Lord I just pray for my child's heart God that you will just soften their heart and God that the burden of the lord now that's not a war prayer that's a covering prayer do you see how there's there's a difference there's a flow that the holy spirit will teach you in your own prayer life that works with who you are and what your personality is and those kind of things but god will broaden the tent of your prayer life. He will lengthen, if you will, the the, the cords and the tent stakes and and give you a wider room of prayer because prayer can be like a muscle and you can develop some new muscle groups. Amen? So how how does intercessory prayer work? Well, you are coming before the Lord and it's, it's like you're a lawyer who wants to be heard by the judge. And you remember the parable of the widow in Luke chapter 18, there's a widow who comes before an unjust judge. This is a parable. And what the parable is trying to teach us is that persistence, would you all say persistence? Persistence matters. We're going to unpack that a little bit, okay? Persistence matters. And the, the, the lesson in Luke chapter 18 is, if an unjust judge is willing to listen to this woman who has a, a good case, how much more will your father listen to you? So it's actually a case for persistence. Luke 18, 6 says, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And the answer is no. He will listen. Now let me unpack this idea of persistence for you. Persistence is not about performance. You're not filling a proverbial bucket of prayer, if you will. And there's this thing at Grateful Wolf Lodge where the water pours into this giant bucket in the sky. And when it gets big and when it gets full enough, the water, the the bucket tips over and all the kids stand under it and get wet. It's really a lot of fun. That is not how your um, persistent prayer works. You are not working to get enough water into the bucket. Um you have to get enough of the right prayers and the good prayers and you got to say the right word. Like you're, like you're doing some kind of magic seance thing or trying to fill up a bucket. No, you are in a relationship with God. Persistence is about your heart. Persistence, it's about building a spiritual resilience inside of you. Persistence does something in you. It forms something in you. It's, it's about allowing God to shape your thinking and your heart and, and even your ability to care, your ability for it to matter. And there are these times when, when we wait and it's like, Lord, if I were in your shoes, this would have been answered and done now. And, and we don't understand why there's the delay or why we're not seeing what we're answering. Am I talking to the right people? Maybe you're just a one and done You just pray and it happens and you move on like you're you know, at Krispy Kreme. Give me a donut, I'm out of here, right? Hot and now, give it to me. But you see, persistence develops something in you. And you have to see it this way because otherwise you'll give up. Persistence develops in you a trust in the Lord. Um, You're not just placing an order with him. You are coming before him with the burdens and the needs of this world. A delayed answer gives you an opportunity to trust that God is working even when you don't see. I think we sing that song, don't we? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Right? I mean, right? We're singing the song. Let's pray that way. Right? You don't see it, and you got to have a little bit of self-talk because the enemy is going to tell you he don't care. He's not going to change it. It doesn't matter. You're just you know, a sounding gong, it doesn't matter. And you know what you need to say to that voice? Even when I don't see it, he's working, right? You go over into that praise room and you're like, come on now, I'm gonna lift it up a little bit. I'm gonna, you know, get my praise on and I'm gonna deepen my trust. Persistence deepens your trust in the Lord. It shouldn't demoralize you. It should draw you closer because prayer is relational. Come on, it's a relational piece. I remember um, when Andrew was about six years old, He started praying for my grandfather, so his great-grandfather, who didn't know Jesus, wasn't saved. And Andrew just got this burden, six years old. And so, like, at night when he would go to bed, he would pray for Grandpa to come to know Jesus. Now, I have to be really transparent with you. I was concerned because, see, I had talked to my grandfather about Jesus, and he shut me down cold. I still remember being in the car, and I remember my grandfather just telling me, and I was a young, you know, young adult who'd been to Bible college, he and he said, son, I, I don't understand that stuff, and I don't talk about stuff I don't understand. And that was it. We weren't talking about Jesus anymore, and I was shut down. And Andrew was praying every night that grandpa would come to know Jesus. And, in the, and it, was, it was a whole year that he was praying in the midst of that year, I had an encounter with someone. I think it was Pastor Zach Zabenden, um, who used to be the pastor at, at Salem um, Baptist. I, he he talked about, you know, if God has placed a burden for prayer for someone's salvation, don't you think He's going to answer that prayer? Don't you think that burden came from the Lord and He's going to answer that? And there was something about that that I was like, you know what? That totally makes sense because I don't think Andrew's making this up. I think this is a God thing. And so I changed my mindset, and you know what happened was probably a year into him praying, I was headed to Atlanta for some work things there and pastoral something, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Pittsburgh when you're done in Atlanta. I was like, well, that's not really on the way. That's... Uh, and actually, it was the Erie because I would need it. my dad. My grandpa lived up right up near Erie, a block off at of Erie Lake. So I did. I went to Atlanta, and then I flew to Pittsburgh and drove up. And I spent like two nights, three nights with my grandfather. And I'm just sitting there with him, and we're, and I had to pray for my grandpa. He went from, um, he's in heaven now, but he went from watching westerns. I'm like, yeah, I get that right. And he used to show me thousands of pictures of Wyoming. <laughs> There's another mountain in Wyoming. There's another mountain in Wyoming. It's a family joke. We're like, oh my word, how many pictures? And he developed these pictures, slideshow, and I'm like, ah. Oh. But I got concerned because he went from the westerns to he was watching Lifetime movies, and I was like, Jesus, you got to get involved. Because Grandma, grandma was already in heaven. I was like, Lifetime movies for my grandpa? No, something is going awry here. Jesus! So we're there, and we're sitting, and we're, we're, um, it was the last night I was there. And I was waiting because I, I wanted the Holy Spirit to make this happen because I had had experience with Grandpa in the past. We're in there, and I sense the Holy Spirit just come into the room. We're just sitting there. He's in his Lazy Boy, and I'm sitting on the couch. The Holy Spirit comes into the room, and I just said the gospel to him. And I'm concerned, Grandpa. I want to make sure that when I get to heaven someday, I want to see you there. And he prayed this with me to receive Jesus and just in that moment. And you know what led up to that? About a year of prayer. A year of just praying and praying and praying and God did something miraculous. I got to tell you what, intercessory prayer matters because what happens is there becomes a weight behind that prayer so that when God goes, now, it is God moving in miraculous ways and ways that we can that we we don't even understand. So what does intercessory prayer look like? It, the thing about intercessory prayer is it involves all of you. It involves your mind, it involves your heart, your emotions, get involved. It involves your spirit, man, right? And intercessory prayer works best when you have a pause. And what I mean by that is it's tempting when you care about something to just go for it and you're like, you're right here just saying everything that you can think of and all of a sudden then you flip into the concordance of everything. You you ever pray the concordance prayer and you're like, every verse that you think has the word hope in it, you're like, I quote that verse and that verse and that verse and I love it because the Lord's probably like, oh, I hadn't heard that one before. (laughs) It's okay to quote scripture in your prayer, amen? Amen. But That's what I call the concordance prayer. It's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like we're chipping away at it, right? Um, nothing wrong with, with having Scripture, but there's something different when you have the pause. And the pause is where you wait for that unction of the Spirit. You wait for that, the Holy Spirit to give you that first sentence. You wait for the Holy Spirit to give you that direction because you will pray better and you will pray more on target if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in prayer. I mean, It's cheating, right? God is helping you to pray. And I gotta tell you, it is way more fun. Because God will reveal things to you about the situation and reveal things to you about how to pray when you just pause and let him do it. Now for some of us, we just needed to get it out there. Just everything in your mind, get it out there, pray it, pray your concordance, do all of that. But then, pause. And allow the Holy Spirit... To work in you to pray effectively. Let me read Romans eight twenty six again. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's me, when we do not know how to pray. That's me. But the Spirit Himself intercedes. For us through wordless groans. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. If you have a, a prayer language, a great way to pray is just to begin praying in your prayer language because the Spirit will intercede for God's people in accordance with the Spirit. You know, that heavenly language that you are praying through, you can bet that that is on target, that God is praying, you know, the will of God. And what I love is this idea of praying in the Spirit. And praying with understanding. If you don't have a prayer language, cry out to Jesus, say, God, fill me with your spirit and give me a prayer language. Praying in the spirit and praying with understanding. In 1 Corinthians 14, 15, it says, So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. This kind of unlocked for me. I was reading a book uh, by Oral Roberts. And he was talking about when he built the campus of Oral Roberts University. He had all of this property, and the Lord told him, I want you to walk the ground, and I want you to pray in tongues. I want you to just pray, and then I want you to pray with understanding. And what happened was this prophetic sense of what needed to happen started to come to him because he began to say, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. And what would happen is a revelation would come as he was praying in the Spirit, and then he would pray with understanding. It's a lot of fun. Uh, A lot of fun to pray that way. There are are great works in the earth, y'all, that God is doing. And there are great works in the earth that he wants to do. And these do not happen without prayer. God always leads people to pray about what he is going to bring. Even bringing Jesus' birth, you see Anna and you see uh, Simeon and you see people who were praying and who were waiting. There are always people praying. And the question isn't, is there going to be prayer? The question is, are we going to be a people who join him in prayer? Are we going to be people who say, God, give me the prayer, and I want to pray for my nation as you would have me pray. I want to pray for my family the way that you would pray. I want me to pray over these wars and situations and poverty and things that people are going through the way that you pray. And when we pray that way, we partner with God when we intercede. And it's our way of saying, Lord, yes, this matters to me. It's our way of saying, yes, Lord, I care. Yes, I want to partner with you. Anybody have any, um, uh, you get a little tired from all the things you care about? You know what I'm talking about? It wears you down. But see, intercession becomes life-giving because of that release I told you about. And you you, you carry the burden, but it doesn't burden you. And you see God work. So our way of saying, God, yes, I'm going to partner with you. Show me what you are doing. I will pray that way, and I will join with you in that prayer. And I I know I've been um, speaking to you for 30 minutes and 11 seconds, but I'm going to close with this scripture because this is, in my mind, one of the most profound pictures of prayer, of intercession in scripture, and it comes out of Exodus 32. You know, the Lord's prayer says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what intercessory prayer is. It's saying, God, reveal to me your will in your heart. And we learn that through scripture, and we learn that from praying and from hearing the voice of God. And then we pray that way for, and that's our daily prayer, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, amen? In Exodus 32, what had happened was Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and he was receiving the law. While he was up on Mount Sinai, what happens is the people of Israel got antsy. They had come out of Egypt and they had come out of a life where there was a lot of idolatry and experience and things like that. They're like, Moses has been gone a long time. And they felt abandoned. They felt like this is taking too long. And so they did what they knew what to do, which was make an idol. So they took their gold, they melted it, and they made a golden calf and they worshipped it. Now for us, we're like, are you crazy? But for them, it was the most natural thing in the world. I'm feeling anxious. I need to do something that makes sense to me. I need to do something that, that, that I identify with from my past or something. Let's, let's make something. We can't be out here alone. So they melt down this, this gold, make a, a golden calf. And in Exodus 32, 11, it says, but, and the Lord says to Moses when he's coming off the mountain, Moses, I'm gonna have to, Wipe these people out. I have opened the Red Sea. I have sent plagues to Egypt. I have done all of this. And I, you're up on the mountain too long, and all of a sudden they're, gonna, they're going to idolatry. Moses, I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. That's basically what he tells Moses. Now, for some of us, we'd be like, that sounds like not that bad of a gig for me. <laughs> leave three million idolatrous people who are quick to leave you and like to complain a lot and start off with me. But that's not what Moses does. Moses becomes the quintessential intercessor. And this is what happens in verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people who you brought out of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it was with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore uh, by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance. Verse 14, Then the Lord relented, and he did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Here's what I think happened. I think God knew that Moses was going to do this because, like, he knows everything. But in this, we see this picture of God saying, this is what they deserve. This is what should happen. But God had raised up a Moses who all his life was a meddler. He saw an Egyptian abusing an Israelite. He killed the Egyptian and buried it in, in the sand. Was not exactly the best use of his gift. (laughs) But you see this. Thing in him that rises up and says, Let's do something different. Like, you know, I'm going to contend and I'm going to get in the middle of this. And what God needed was he needed a Moses who cared enough about the people and cared enough about the God who would come to him as an intercessor, literally coming between the people and God and saying, God, don't do this thing. Be faithful to your covenant and be, and, and be, and be merciful to this people and let's lead them through. And I believe that God said, You know, God, Moses, with a guy like you, We can do this because you care and you're willing to intercede. And you're willing to get in between me and the people, and you're willing to do that. And Jesus is the better Moses. Jesus is the one who's doing that for you and for me. And his cross and his blood and what he has done has said, you know what, let's not give them what they deserve. Let's be merciful, and let's get in the middle of this. Let's be the mediator. Let's be there. And we have this privilege of when people are having real problems, you and I can go to the God of the universe with intercessory prayer. There are people who are seeking audiences with senators and with presidents and they can't get a, 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 you know, a, a meeting with a doctor on time, but you can go to the King of Kings just like that. And you can care right in the moment and saying, God, I don't want to conjure up some emotion, but I make myself available to pray by your Holy Spirit and to see you do something mighty. I don't want to make stuff up. I want to know what you're doing and I want to pray into that. And the thing is, is God will do mighty works around you, but God will do a mighty work in you. Ain't he so smart? I want to encourage you today, if you are in a place where you are praying and praying and praying and you just feel a little defeated, you're like, I've been praying for that same thing, just like the word of the Lord earlier with those you know, walls. Maybe there's just something that's like, it's just not changing. I just want to call you back to a place of faithfulness before the Lord, call you back to a place where you just say, God... I trust you. Form in me, even as I am praying, form in me something that trusts you deeper. And that, you know, even when I don't see it, you're working. Put that on your phone, in your car, even when I, just talk to yourself and let the word of the Lord get in you. Would you stand with me today? I want to pray with you. I especially want to pray, there are some intercessory prayers that God wants to revive in you. He wants to blow on the coals of that thing and bring them up. And the other way that we're going to pray today is, God, use me to care. Because intercessory prayer is not disconnected from your heart. Amen? But we have to have the capacity to care. I don't know about you. There are a lot of people who need a lot of prayer. Amen? We need prayer. Father, we love you today. Lord, forgive us for despising the need for persistence. Forgive us for the frustration we feel when we have to persist and when we're wondering why we're not seeing an answer that we want to see. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us for that. And today, just like your disciples said, teach us how to pray. God, as we are learning that intercessory room, Lord, build in us a a sincere passion. Build in us patience to let your Holy Spirit lead. Father, help us to not quit on a prayer. Some people that we've quit on, circumstances we've quit on. God, even if you change how we pray, we just bring those things before you. And God, we recognize today, God, that it is not our power, it is your power. And we recognize, God, that you work through us, but it is your power working through us. And God, we recognize today that prayer is powerful. And so, Lord, we come into that intercessory place and we give you permission to lead us. Father, for those of us who go, I don't have a lot of experience with being led by the Holy Spirit. God, you have been speaking to people for centuries. You have been leading people to centuries. As we pause, may we sense that leading of the Spirit. That we would be a discerning people. That we would know when to be in the intercessory room. We would know when to leak over to the war room. And God, I also pray for that release. Lord, that as we intercede, we would sense that release that you have taken the burden. And God, I pray boldly that you would give us big hearts. God, we can't intercede if we don't care. But God, you've got to give us the capacity to care. For those of us who've suffered with compassion fatigue, Lord, be our healer. Those of us who, uh, the anxiety in our own life, it's so hard to focus on someone else's need. Lord, come and rescue us from ourselves. Oh, you are a great and a mighty God. Thank you for the privilege that we can be the lawyer, we can be the intercessor, we can come before you and we can come confidently. And Jesus, we give you all the credit. You made this way for us and we worship you today. Lord, may a great confidence come in places we have lost confidence in prayer. May a great confidence in you come that our God is working things out. Our God is at work. And we thank you for it. Lord, we worship you and we honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.